price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Your plot twist wizard, Holden McNeely. You think it's going this way. All the standard tropes are there. And then wham! Ned Stark! See you later! But not Ned Stark in this case, because we're doing an episode on Invincible, right? Isn't this fun? I'm being the plot twist wizard. Jake, what kind of fun bruiser are you going to be for this one? And it's me, your giant, wet, glopping pile of human viscera bruiser, Jake. <laughs> I, I, knew it. Good I had super strength. What did you think was going to happen when I punched someone in the face? Did you think he just like have little birdies twirl around his head? No, I'm going to turn his entire skull into a concave nacho bowl of blood and bone bits because yeah. Jesus Christ super strength is actually the most horrifying superpower in the world it is terrifying and you always have those little thought experiments you like and you know in the dumbest way in like the most you know mall rats Kevin Smith way like how does Superman fuck without like shooting a hole through a woman <laughs> you know what I mean or like this that and the other and you think you're just like oh wait or, or even lately when we get all these superhero movies and they're less egregious about this these days they kind of try to give you a little more of the reality but yeah like when an entire city gets destroyed in say a Superman film and all you can think about is like all those people in those buildings what (laughs) happened to them and this definitely is a comic book and now a fantastic animated television show that definitely deals in that realm and I think it's odd man there's a couple of interesting things going on here with Invincible and I would in terms of saturation because what's cool on one hand everyone now it is a household normal thing for most people to in to take in, I was about to say endure, but they enjoy it. To take in superhero fare. We know those basic rules. It's almost like scream, but for superheroes, right? Like we've hit the point now where we everybody knows like all the kind of basic beats of superhero films. Uh, you know the basic traits and and things of of like having powers and dealing with the great responsibility, even and down to like on a trope level, stuff like yeah. the supervillain monologuing to the uh, bad good guys are confused and fight each other a little bit, then realize they have to do the team up, like all these meta structural elements that are now imbued into the most popular form of popular culture in the entire world. Yeah. And um, now we're starting to comment on those things. But what's funny to me is that, like, 
you Amazon just put out the boys. It's also kind of dealing in this sort of samey kind of area of and I guess now I should actually go ahead and say we're going to be talking about some very early plot twists in the TV show. Plot twists that actually don't happen for a minute in the comic book, which is very interesting, but I get well, why Well, in they the grand scheme of the comic book, it happens yeah. very by the time the series ended, the big twist is almost uh, a footnote. It's almost yeah. just like incidental. And the totally. fallout from that initial twist is where, quote unquote, the real story actually takes place. Yeah. And, and so I guess now that we've established that, I will just go ahead and speak towards the at least the general concept of like maybe the big, big, awesome Superman superhero. Maybe he bad. And, you know, The Boys definitely works in that territory. Amazon put out The Boys. The other funny thing to me is just that there was a there still is a live action movie in the works that is still going to have this big plot twist in it that there's still Seth Rogen still working on and all this kind of stuff. And at the same time, they're like doing this TV show where like a lot of people, at least the people watching the show will already know this plot twist if they hadn't already read the comic book, right? Well, just in sheer number of scale, just in terms of scale, because I had to look this up, um, Robert Kirkman is, in fact, one of the best-selling comic book writers uh, of the modern age. Hell yeah. I, uh, walking, well, he also did Walking Dead, if you're not aware, so it's kind of incredible that he had two these both of these powerhouse comic series running at the same time. It's kind of amazing. But even then, the most popular comic book in the post to post 90s boom where you know x-men sold like 8 million copies spawn sold like 2 million copies all these insane numbers uh an average issue of the walking dead sold like 50 to 60 thousand issues maybe 100 if it was a real landmark one invincible kind of considered an amazing uh independent uh character uh we'll get into how image comics works and all that was and uh in june 2012 was selling like 14,000 issues. So like even though Invincible was an incredibly popular comic book and a very like landmark character with a huge fan base compared to Amazon Prime, which at uh the last uh, article I looked uh in a shareholder letter published April 15th of this year, 200 million people have access to the cartoon. And if uh, Netflix stats are any indication a ton of those people just out of more people out of sheer boredom happen to watch (laughs) invincible than anyone has ever sought out the comic book as a comic book fan in its entire run at this point yeah 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 that's which is pretty incredible and uh i'm glad they are and that first episode is a statement for sure that i think will keep people coming back i still think about it it rocked me yeah, part. which is great because we saw it with you live on the study session, which is really fun. It's a fun episode, too, to watch with people, especially if you know, if you're familiar at all with Invincible and you know that about that first big plot twist, then you will you will really enjoy watching this with people who have no idea what's coming. Oh, it's I knew fun. the plot twist. And even then, seeing it yeah. animated so viscerally. Yes. So horrifically. Um and I even and I knew so. Invincible is a comic book. It's a story yeah. about a, a young superhero. Get, I got, 
But I'll give the synopsis. An Image Comics universe superhero created by Robert Kirkman and uh, artist Corey Walker, and who first appeared in Savage Dragon number 102 before having his own self-titled regular series starting in 2003. Invincible is the son of Omni-Man, an extraterrestrial superhero of the Viltrumite race. Invincible inherited his father's superhuman strength and ability to fly, and he has was sworn to protect the Earth, and then everything gets turned on its head. Very much so a Superman kind of story, but like with really dark, fucked up, undertone, hyper gore, this, that, and the other. Uh, and the amount of gore in the cartoon was above and beyond even what they showed in yeah. the comic. Yeah. Um, just people genuinely ripping each other apart, fighting for their lives with total <laughs> desperation. It was shocking. Um, and Invincible, <laughs> the comic, is full of these intensely violent moments where uh, each punch matters. Uh, each, uh-huh. you know, if someone with super strength is fighting someone without super strength, they will, in fact, do insane, insane bodily harm. The impacts of that, people get their limbs ripped off, people get blinded, people get murdered. Uh, it's, you know, and what's, but it's, but it should be said with, even though the violence is intense and very stark and leaves an impact on you, this is not like the boys. This is not like Watchmen. This is not like, um, this is not like any like gross deconstruction of superheroes in general. This book, this story is everything about a classic 80s, 90s superhero book just updated and cranked up to 11 for a modern audience, for an older audience. Like, Watching uh, Invincible or Omni-Man cave someone's face in with a single, I'm I'm sorry, not a single, with multiple punches directly to their nose until they are actual mashed potatoes. Yeah. Like, that's intense. But when I was eight years old reading, like, an issue of Spawn or the X-Men, having Wolverine deliver a solid right hook was also, like, it felt that intense. It's just... Uh In order to recapture that, like, oh, shit moment, they kind of have to update everything. But it's still a colorful book, a hopeful yes. book. Uh, the art I style. Really like. I always use The Witcher 3 as an example of, like, I feel like The Witcher 3 really got us out of those incredibly gray, d- uh, dystopian fantasy environments in video games and, like, brought us out of that and still had these, like, terrifying monsters and things, but in a vibrant, beautiful world, and I'll always prefer that. And Invincible has that same vibe of, like, even though all these really fucked up things are happening, the world itself is so beautiful, so bright, and the I love the art. It's so... And in so many ways, it's very simple as well. It's very clean, the artwork. And I really appreciate that. And I think that adds so much to subverting the Superman story, essentially. Well, both the comic and the cartoon both evoke uh, kind of an animated, like an animated series kind of art style. It feels like a Saturday morning cartoon, whether that's like Batman, the animated series or the X-Men animated series. Uh, especially earlier on, um, Corey Walker and Ryan Otley had uh, very flat colors to work with, uh, very simple character designs, simple stark outlines. And it's only when the violence and the melodrama kicks up a notch that like things all of a sudden get real and you begin to feel this sense of like violation that like things are happening that weren't supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And 
and even the violence the violence is one thing but also the way that the events on the panel on screen affect the characters around them uh so many times uh the characters in invincible kind of just snap they kind of just have gone through too much they just can't deal anymore and it's friend against friend it's uh you know compatriot against compatriot old enemies teaming up together um there's it feels very organic it feels like a living universe and what's amazing is that all of this is coming from one writer all of these stories all of these characters are coming from a single source and the amazing thing is again i honestly think the thesis statement of what invincible is about is it captures the feeling of going to the comic book store for a big event crossover and picking up six books at once and like kind of keeping track of all these moving pieces but instead of but you only have to pick up one comic book like within the invincible line within the invincible universe you get the thrill of an entire entire uh, publication line an entire like dc an entire marvel worth of stories and characters all concentrated in this one story which is Mm. fantastic yeah, it's so good. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into the creation of it. We'll talk about the comic book. We'll also talk about the lead up to, to we'll also talk about that live action movie that's still in the works as well as the lead up and into the creation of the animated show. And again, and I'm sure we'll repeat this cuz Kirkman loves to let people know that he's doing this, but I do think it's very awesome. Uh it is a 45 minute hour long animated adult superhero show and that is very unique for especially for america i feel like anime kind of that's already sort of like that wouldn't be that much of a shocker even them you know most episodes are like 20 minutes but yeah to get like a meaty hour-long experience that looks like that that looks you know almost looks like it could be a children's show until you watch more than five minutes of it and realizes very much not it, it's very cool that it exists and i'm glad that they went in the animated direction with it because a they can get crazier with the violence and b i think it actually sets it apart in a way that a lot of these other superhero sh- shows are now starting to become like samey you know what it is live actionness it, uh you 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 made the connection yourself to the game of thrones thing because in an hour-long uh, format you can let moments breathe. You can let yeah. audiences relax for a second. And then those big holy shit moments hit even harder. Way crazier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So here we go. Let's start off talking about Robert Kirkman, the man himself, uh, born and raised in uh, Kentucky. His mother was a homemaker, his father a sheet metal fabricator and entrepreneur. He was always fascinated with horror films that his parents would rent and uh, watch in the basement. He would hide behind the couch and sneak peeks at them. So already an early fascination with zombie films, with gore, with all those sorts of things. His first comic was a superhero parody back in uh, the year 2000 called Battle Pope. And it is about a hard-drinking, womanizing pope condemned by God for his evil ways who is pulled into a fight to save St. Michael with Jesus Christ as his sidekick set on a post rapture earth and uh this is him and artist tony moore who self-published this run on their funkotron label and uh so already he's playing with superhero tropes and, oh and yeah. well with them i mean i i read a little bit of battle pope for this and it is uh first of all tony moore is an incredibly talented artist very expressive very has an eye for action and expression his characters act very well it's he really does a great job uh 
you know, the art of story, of comic book storytelling. And uh, he actually grew up, Kirkman and Moore, like, grew up together. And it wasn't until uh, after college that Kirkman, like, brought him up and was like, hey, I've been thinking about this comic book idea. Uh, he, but it's a very irreverent late 90s, early 2000s kind of parody. Like, he's just having fun with tropes. He's just having fun with religion, which was at the style at the time. You have to understand, right. it was very, very funny to make fun of Christianity. It was... Yes. <laughs> and it's, I'm not even making... I'm not even criticizing. I'm just saying, shit ruled. Shit was hilarious. Shit was great. It felt very freeing. It felt like you couldn't do that before. And of course, while all this is going on, Marvel and DC, they're fighting over who's king, and then, then there it is, thud. You know what that sound is? That's the sound of Image Comics' big dick getting slammed on that table and saying, we're here to stay with a little-known comic called Spawn. He's so cool, he's going to rule the school. Uh, And you had all these other things happening as well, right? With Savage Dragon, obviously, uh, Invincible first technically appears in Savage Dragon number 102. It's just an issue preview. It's not like uh, Mark Grayson shows up and is like, hi, Savage Dragon. Boy, I sure do have a lot of stories behind me. Uh, It's tough being a high school kid and the son of the world famous Omni Man. Don't worry, you'll learn more about him later. Like it's not that yeah. kind of thing. But this is an interesting like phase for Image Comics. Like I, I never thought Image was going to survive past the you know the heyday, right? Of uh, with the boom, especially after the bust happened. This was like a revival. A Kirk did Kirkman like save Image Comics? Did okay. Kirkman is like because this is like a new era for Image that you never really saw coming. So uh, in 2002, uh, Jim Valentino, uh, the creator of, I believe, Shadowhawk, the cool yeah. guy who looks like Wolverine and Batman, got oh, pushed, got smushed some, together in a blender. I've got some Shadowhawks. I've got some Shadowhawks where it really looks very silvery on that cover. They use some kind of special gloss or something. Um, this is from a uh, comic book resources article from 2002. But uh, Valentino kind of this it was the 10 year anniversary of the founding of Image Comics and, uh, you know, indie books were kind of selling well, but classic superhero books were flagging and uh, Valentino just kind of uh, along with Eric Larson. I I did not keep track of who had wit, you know, who was a producer, who was a publisher, who was the COO, you know, whatever. But uh, Larson and Valentino wanted to revitalize the Image Comics universe, kind of reclaim that excitement around superheroes. And the idea was they were going to form a new Image universe with a bunch of brand new books. And um, among them was Kirkman, who uh, it wasn't his work on Battle Pope that specifically got him through the door. It's actually the way he got a hold of uh, he got entwined with Image Comics is that he and artist Corey Walker were obsessed with a uh, new book they wanted to do called Science Dog, which if you yes. are into Invincible, the science, you know, Science Dog in their universe is the most popular comic property of all time. There's a very hilarious uh, segment in one of the early issues where Mark Grayson, Invincible himself, goes to a comic book signing and meets the artist of Science Dog and it's like, Hey, uh, don't you think it's kind of cheap how you reuse panels all the time? And then it's a whole page of reused panels with the artist just staring blankly. And he just goes, no. <laughs> and at that meeting, uh, Larson was like, uh, hey, 
we're not going to do Science Dog, but, uh, you know, uh, we like the cut of your jib. How would you like to do a spinoff book about uh, our hard-boiled Captain America pastiche Super Patriot, who is part of the Savage yes. Dragon universe? And I that- remembered Super Patriot. He looks so crazy. He's so, he's like, I guess he's like a fucked up Captain America kind of. He wears right? an American flag full face bandana over his face. He has like little <laughs> tech goggles and robot I arms. Loved it. The design of his like robot arm look and everything kind of has like a Colossus look almost in the arms. He has such a weird, interesting design. He's like kind of a it's like if you mushed Colossus, Captain America and Spider-Man together almost (laughs) with a little bit of Punisher thrown in. But uh, yeah, definitely some kind of a cyborg uh, super patriot. Uh, And that run really did have a it felt like a proto invincible in a way Uh, The kind of juxtaposition between the mundanities of civilian life and the extreme violence of superhero life, uh, all the conflicting government agencies and infrastructure that is needed to support a superhero in a world where, uh, you know, mad scientists and rabid dinosaurs consistently attack cities. Uh, if It really did feel like they were kind of nailing the tone of what would become Invincible in that series. And so after that worked out, they, um, let's see, I can't remember which came out. I think Tech Jacket came out first. Yeah, so Tech Jacket is about a high school kid who acquires an alien vest that makes him nearly invulnerable and gives him a bunch of powers. And this series is actually picked back up in Invincible right. uh, in number 71 for eight issues. We the Tech Jacket comes back into play. I believe that was the first one. And the follow-up after that is there was a one-off about a female detective called Cloudfall as well. Tech Jacket actually had a uh, artist by the name of E.J. Sue who I believe was uh, grew up in Taiwan, and he had a very anime manga art style. And so it's very interesting because another like kind of prototypical um, Invincible thing was the space action that comes to define a lot of what Invincible was, especially during its later run. Uh Uh, Massive waves of aliens, spaceships, transgalactic travel, uh, a teenager dealing with the unintended consequences of a full f- uh, suite of superpowers. It honestly feels like someone did a manga adaptation of Invincible a lot of times because the main character is this black haired, wide eyed, naive teen kind of coming to terms with all this like crime and violence and responsibility he wasn't ready for. Uh, so between Tech Jacket and Super Patriot, Image has kind of gotten a, a interesting look at what Kirkman is capable of. Um, neither series did particularly well, but uh, Tech Jacket ended after six issues, even though uh, apparently by issue four it was picking up a little bit, but uh, Kirkman kind of had his heart broken by that one. And all of these were selling way, 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 way more, you know, five times, ten times more than uh, Battle Pope, which was a very small production run, independently published, black and white book. Um, but still, Kirkman has his foot in the door at Image. They like the cut of his jib. And among the other, uh, I forget the other new lines of uh, new heroes, new stories they're introducing, as part of the new Image universe is Invincible. Um, 
the uh, I have a quote from the article where uh, Kirkman is describing the show. Uh, sorry, describing the book. And he says, some may describe this as being real world superheroes, but it's really superhero world superheroes. The way these characters mm. interact is by no means normal or real. They just live in a world where strange and fantastic things happen. And as a result, these things seem normal to them. It's wow. a book where the main character can sit down to eat dinner with his parents. And when questioned, what happened with you today? He comes up with the reply, I think I'm starting to get superpowers. And the mom can say, that's nice. Pass the mashed potatoes. <laughs> rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And the idea was, uh, besides bringing back Shadowhawk and bringing back uh, Wildcats and bringing back all these classic image books, these new image books would come together and they would all interact in a big, fun superhero universe the way old school Marvel, old school DC would. That plan quickly kind of faded away as most of the new books they introduced did not fare well. But um, and Invincible even wasn't really going to sell well. Uh, you know, it was kind of lagging up until yeah. the big twist hit. And that was yeah. issue 11 and issue 12. And I remember being in comic books at the time, listening to like the iFanboy podcast, like picking up, I think Wizard might even still have been a thing, going to websites and stuff. And when that shoe dropped, I like everybody was talking about it. It was such a huge twist. Yeah, so originally, um, and Kirkman had this to say about like that initial set of issues. There hasn't been a cool new teenage superhero in a while, and I'm nothing if not a big fan of family stories. So we'll have a teenage superhero who has a family in the superhero world. His dad's the hero. Cool. But uh, as you said, there just wasn't enough uh, to stand it out from the rest. So that is why they, of course, and again, spoiler alert, they, of course, uh, make Omni-Man Invincible's dad turn out to be essentially the bad guy uh, in that big, crazy twist. Uh, this is another fun quote from Kirkman. I thought that both of them would be canceled by issue number Number 10, but I hoped that they would become what they became. Invincible was always meant to be everything I've ever loved about superhero comics put into one series, which is, as people can now see, quite a lot. Uh, also, I love this quote uh, of, from Kirkman about Science Dog. They were like, nobody really likes talking dogs. We really like you guys. Can you please give us a book that does not have a talking dog as its main character? <laughs> Incredible. I just think it's so funny that, like, initially they wanted a talking dog that does science comic book, and then they ended up with a fucking gore, gore world, invincible. Like, what would have, what would our universe look like if there was no, uh, if it was just science dog instead? Um, so yeah, so shortly after Invincible launches, uh, Walking Dead also launches, and they run concurrently for several years. Um, Corey Walker. Uh, 
was also asked if he thought the series would run as long as it did. And he said, honestly, I don't really think so. No. What I mean to say is at the time, there weren't exactly a lot of long-running image books out there. So despite believing in the property and knowing we were doing a cool thing, I just don't think I would have considered that Invincible would still be coming out all these years later. Luckily, though, Ryan Otterley and Kirkman put in the years of hard work telling the stories and creating the world that fans have responded to, making it possible for there to still be a book for me to come back to every now and then when I can. So yeah, initially it was just, uh, in fact, I have a quote from Kirkman. It was really just Corey and I spitballing and coming up with things we loved about superhero comics and crafting a book that could be everything that we love about superheroes all crammed into one book. But then um, Walker just does issues number one through seven. He comes back for later issues, um, number 127 to 132. But yeah, it's really Ryan Otterly who, who Otley, keeps Otley, the series. No, no Otter. No Otter. Oh, my bad. Ot. Um, oh, I would love uh, Otterly so much better, though. I mean, I, I imagine an adorable otter opening clams on his belly and then <laughs> swimming over to a little yeah, drafting table. See? That is adorable. Exactly. I would All like right. to live in this universe. Unfortunately, we live in the boring reality <laughs> where a magical otter does not draw invincible. Um, Walker had uh, issues getting the books out on time, which... Uh, severely impacted sales. There would be a one-month delay to a multiple-month delay. And Kirkman actually found Otley online. Uh, he was working on a... God, I, the title of it is so weird. It was like a webcomic called Ted uh, Noodleman mm-hmm. Bicycle Delivery Boy, which was a web strip. <laughs> and it was on an internet forum called Pinceljack.com, I believe, which is where he yeah. discovered him. Otley was... Uh, born and raised in Utah and was just uh, kind of this, he actually says that he wouldn't have become an artist, a professional comic book artist, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, he got fired from a warehouse job that he had been staying in for years. And rather than immediately watch his life fall apart, he had enough unemployment to actually get by and work on his art and submit new projects and do all this stuff. Weird. It's shocking to think that because his art, again, is looks so professional, and this is like his first real comic job, and it just seems like out of the gate he was like made for this. It's one of the most amazing things about reading Invincible from the beginning to the end, which uh, I think I told you this before, Holden, but doing research for this episode was a nightmare because I would... Um, <laughs> go to a perfectly legal, not shady website and that had access to every issue of Invincible uh, all at once. And I'd read 10 issues in a row and I'd be like, okay, now it's time to, you know, look up some biographies and look up some statistics. And fucking Kirkman would leave that 10th issue on an amazing cliffhanger. And so I had to read 10 more. And then <laughs> at the end of those 10 issues, they pick up a plot line that I thought Kirkman had just yeah. forgotten from 30 issues ago yeah. and picked up the ground running from that. And I was just, I've been shotgunning these comics and loving every second of it. Watching Otley's art kind of morph and grow and evolve. At first, he's kind of just aping uh, Walker style, which is a little bit stiffer, a little bit more standard uh, Saturday morning animation style. And then by the end, there's so much like depth and kind of uh, anatomy and compositions and like these characters are at once cartoony but so visceral and alive and real that it's incredible seeing that art progression go off it's honestly by the end of the book Otley is one of my like top 10 favorite 
pencilers of all time. Yeah. Kirkman said, it was great having two different artistic brains that could craft this world. One of the reasons that the Marvel Universe is so successful is that it is a ton of different artists visually contributing to it, so you get a lot of different unique things. If one person had designed every character in Invincible, there would be some limitations there, but because I was contributing some terrible designs like Magnatac and Corey and Ryan were also designing characters, we actually got a cool, well-rounded universe that has a lot of variation on it. Also, uh, and also Walker sticks around just in a consulting way, and I love that he's very much like, I think he really does help push Invincible in more interesting territory. Kirkman said he was inv- an invaluable piece of the puzzle. Every now and then, he'd be reading the comic and he'd go, you're not steering it towards this, are you? Because that would be lame. <laughs> and he was also very blunt, being like, I hate this character's design. I'm just not just doing this character anymore. <laughs> and he's just like, all right. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of really cool, I think, a lot of uh, interest in keeping it fresh, keeping it in- keeping it interesting, keeping it subversive for sure. But um, of course, this comic would not be what it is without the ultra violence, um, which really makes it stand out in comparison to other superhero fare like it. Kirkman said, it's absolutely essential to making Invincible what it is. I think that most superhero stories don't really portray that violence as realistic. It can be exciting, and it can be energetic, and it can be entertaining, but it's not that level of brutality that exists in real-world violence. And Invincible, we're trying to show the weight of this world and the drama that comes from two superpowered beings doing whatever they can to try and hurt each other. And there's a lot of collateral damage that comes from that. And there's a lot of drama that comes from that collateral damage. Invincible is a world where when a building building collapses in a city, that building is full of people, and all those people die, and people mourn those people. And the city is distraught over the fact that this happened. And that's something that we don't shy away from. So I think that, like, yes, there's the couple different angles. There's there's the one angle you mentioned before that is like, yes, fantastical things happen in this world, and like, oh, you learn how to fly, um, you know, pass me the cereal. But then there's also, on top of that, the element of, like, of true consequences for uh, having a superhero fight in a city. And, um, you know, this stuff actually, uh, you know, ha- leads to deaths. And which, which is so much, like, I was just watching an episode of the show, you know, and uh, they're at a college campus and this monster shows up. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I'm so much more freaked out by this occurrence than I normally would be because of the violent predecessor or the violent precedent that's been set up for me. So now I think, oh my God, any one of these kids is going to get a fucking hole punch through them, mm. you know, and it's just going to happen. And uh, yeah, I think it really raises the stakes on any meeting. Also, the invulnerability is something I think it's interesting to think about that I think one of my favorite things about the comic is like when these invulnerable forces start fighting, they just don't go down. Mm-hmm. And so the violence just gets worse and worse and worse on their bodies. Like they just get more and more fucked up and gruesome looking to such a degree, but they keep getting up and keep fighting. And I think it's that part of it too that is very like disturbing to watch and and uh, uh, see just like people like half a face still, you know what I mean? And just stuff like that. You're just like, that guy's brains are out of his head. He's still fucking. <laughs> fighting <laughs> Jesus uh, yeah the cartoon does a even because you know you can show something even in the comic book uh something like the alien invasion the flaxens that shows up you know it's a couple of panels it's kind of a side story just to show the team team uh growing as, and learning from each other but in the show 
what was just a splash page of them causing chaos is like, oh, that woman just got shot through the heart. Like, oh, no. Like, oh, this is the human loss is terrifying. Uh, Another thing that the book does really well is those stakes are actually discussed heavily and characters are often put in uncomfortable situations where they really do have to weigh these nightmarishly high civilian casualty numbers and the common good where uh, old enemies become, you know, uh, useful assets. Uh, old old beefs are kind of squashed because they're in a good negotiating position. And if they don't comply, they're going to, you know, millions of lives are at stake. Yeah. Uh, redemption and the kind of realism that goes into we watch Mark. I'm all over the place right now. I just pounded a Red Bull before we recorded. Holding. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. <laughs> You're doing great. So uh, Kirkman talks a lot about Mark's naivete in the beginning of the series because he is this teen superhero Spider-Man. You know, he's living up to these values. He's living up to uh, not being his father uh, in a lot of ways. And so he has this very strict code. And as the series goes on, he finds himself compromising more and more and Uh having to take losses and having to retreat when he has to, having to, you know, kill when he has to kill, having to let people die if he has to let people die. And it's fascinating. You know, these are the things that you don't see because, you know, what you want is our hero to just triumphantly, like, stick to his guns and have justice and truth and good morality unequivocally win. But a lot of times in Invincible, they get by by just the skin of their teeth and, like, cities are left in ruins. It's kind of insane. Uh, Characters like the Mahler twins or... Uh, Angstrom Levy, like, kind of go through all of these arcs where they're at once, like, you know, mercenary bad guys or, like, genuine monsters, but then, fuck it, they're useful again, and they, you know, they have to, like, step up and they get brought to the forefront to help sometimes. It's, 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 I was going to say incredible. It's invincible, Holden. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, Jake, because uh, also to say... Everything that happens, the character, well, just in general, there's great character growth. Mm-hmm. The All the characters evolve. All the characters have an arc that is meaningful. And that said, when things go down in the comic, it does have a lasting impact on the story. Like, there's pretty much nothing that happens that doesn't have an impact on the characters or the story in some way permanently. Right. And I think that that again, so you're never just reading these little like offshoot stories, these, you know, like you would normally see in a comic like of this sort, like a Spider-Man or something where he goes off, he he fights some super some some baddies for a few issues and comes back. And then it's just like he might as well have never left. You know what I mean? Whereas here, like it is way more. Everything is is driving towards that main storyline, and everything is changing the characters for for uh, the for permanently. I mean, uh, there's like a fifty plus issue run where Adam Eve has a robot leg because in an earlier issue she got her fucking leg ripped off, yeah. <laughs> and now she ain't got a leg anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there's always that attention to detail that I think is so important, and it gives you so much confidence in the story while you're reading it. There's also too uh, just a lot of commenting on superheroes and comic books as a whole. Kirkman said, "I think that loving superhero comics as much as I do, it gave me the leeway to poke." Fun 
fun at the more ridiculous aspects of it and play into the expectations of a superhero comics reader. Kirkman also said, I was able to play to that audience because that's who I was as well. I love superhero comics. I was able to do it with a little bit of respect because I did did actually enjoy the stories. It wasn't like some comics where they poke fun at a genre, but they don't really love that genre. So there's kind of a mean-spirited, off-putting angle to it. This was, hey, let's celebrate this goofy stuff we all love. And honestly, I didn't even think about it till just now, but that's what separates... I'm going to say the men from the boys, but what I mean <laughs> is that separates <laughs> Invincible from the boys. Because the boys is actually written by a guy who fucking hates superhero <laughs> comics. And so he's like ripping it to shreds, which is also very entertaining on its o- in its own way. But that's where Invincible is doing similar things to the boys, but from a place of love. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is why I think people really can enjoy it so much. So anybody who now just watches the Marvel Cinematic Universe regularly or whatever they're putting out, you're kind of, you're taking it in or or whatever. It can now apply to this television and film audience in a way that it wasn't able to be 10 years ago or whatever, you know, like, and, and so I think that's what's what makes it so fun to happen right now on TV. And it's so great because... Uh, I think it's also great to throw a middle finger up at like the whole superhero genre and make that entertaining if you can, not just like shitty. But I think it's also awesome to have someone who's like, no, 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 I love this dumb shit and we're going to make fun of it together and like celebrate it and then also um, push it into really like interesting new territory as well, the whole genre really. So uh, yeah, they do that. They do that for... 144 issues. Um, It was around issue 100 that Kirkman started to think about possibly ending things for good. Originally, the idea was to have it be an ongoing series that outlived him, like, say, a Superman comic. But uh, after a while, he thought, you know, he always was building to this specific arc. I don't don't even want to name it what it is, but he's kind of always building to this specific big event. He reaches that big event around issue 100, and then he just starts as a thought experiment, just kind of coming up with, like, how would this end if I were to actually just end it? Kirkman said, I didn't have that big thing anymore that I was working toward, and so I thought as an exercise, maybe I'll just start writing toward an end, just arbitrarily. And not long after that, Otley, um, lamely named Otley, even though he could have been, like, a cool otter guy or whatever, but his name's Otley, uh, told Kirkman that he did want to move on from Invincible. It was the only thing he'd ever worked on he wanted to like try other stuff and spread his wings out a little bit so that pushed him even further towards actually no let's maybe just end this thing and call it at some point and so the final issue of invincible is number 144 drops in february of 2018 uh kirkman said the book is done and the last issue i made a point to set up a bunch of different storylines like a possible that could eventually play out at some point but the idea there is just to give the readers a sense that this is a world that continues existing even though you're not going to see it. Kirkman also said, it's hard to describe the feeling of having to write a 20-page script for a concept every month of your life for 15 years. Actually, in his case, two, because he's also doing The Walking Dead this whole time. (laughs) It doesn't even seem like a real thing I did, but as soon as I turned in the last script, I was like, God, how the hell did I do that? How am I still doing it on The Walking Dead? This is crazy. And another thing we didn't really talk about, too, is I feel like I never usually appreciate this 
type of approach or I usually um, celebrate like the people who like, I knew what the story was going to be from the very beginning. I knew where it was going to go. But Kirkman kills it with this uh, for the most part is that he was kind of making it up as he went along. He was he was really sort of just being open to any direction. And I guess why why does he get away with it, Jake? Because you were even talking about how, you know, he picked up on a storyline that you thought he forgot about at this issue. And everything does not. It doesn't feel like it's being made up as he goes along. Right. Uh, it def- I mean, it definitely feels like he's following his muse because uh, especially after that initial like 20. 20- First of all. Uh, in an interview, he talks about how, like, Invincible was his first issue seven. Like, nothing he had ever done wow, had even made it that long. crazy, And then dude. it's his first issue eight, his first issue nine. And, you know, he had the, you know, the ace in his pocket for issue 12 and the big reveal. Yeah. Um, which, considering the rest of the book and all the fucking crazy twists it throws, you yeah. know, there's it's one of what would then become many reveals. Yes. Uh, you know... It's he had no idea it would be this successful and no idea that he was ha- going to have this long running series, but uh, he could just kind of be like, no, now we're going to talk about the immortal for a couple issues. We're going to talk about robot for a while. He had this rich universe to draw on and the fans of that universe again, because in this one book, they had the entire experience of a giant comics universe. They were along for the ride. So it kind of it kind of helped. And even if the fact that, uh, you know, in the book. Uh, the sequids, the Mars gooby gobbles that show up uh, don't get addressed, you know, until maybe years later at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, once every couple of issues, there'd be a single page or a couple of panels where we just check in on how the Mars guy is doing. And it would be like a fun <laughs> little thing. Uh, there was a subplot where the garbage bag that Mark yes. threw. I'm glad you're bringing that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, in one. the first issue forms its own weird cult as people try and like figure out how the mysterious miracle garbage landed in England. Like everything <laughs> kind of has its fun and it rewards the reader for having stuck with it for that long. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, they do it. They do an excellent job of I don't know how they keep track of, you know, continuity, but they do an excellent job of maintaining their universe and keeping, you know, giving respect to all the things that happened uh, along the way as and revisiting those things for sure. Um, God, so many times uh, characters like get sucked in a time vortex or in another dimension uh-huh. and they come back irrevocably changed for the process like a real person actually would. Yeah, it's not a world I'd want to live in, too. You know, I think that a lot of times people think, you know, I think we start out as little kids reading these comic books, watching these movies, and being like, oh, I wish I, you know, I wish Spider-Man was real. And I think that is is the difference with Invincible. Invincible, you watch it, you're like, thank God I do not live. And that is becoming an adult a little bit as well, being like, I'm so glad I don't have to put up with this shit. Leave me out of it, you know? A huge part of Invincible (laughs) arc is uh mark kind of coming to terms with the fact that like running around saving little old ladies is not where the real action is yeah. and that certain problems are on a planetary scale and yes. how what it means to like fix that or try and like help that and can you even do it once he gets uh spoiler alert he falls in love and has a family you know <laughs> what does that do to him what uh-huh. are, where are your priorities now mm-hmm. uh it's it's the whole time awesome. you're growing up alongside with him, you know, and I think Kirkman, who started writing mm-hmm. comics at age 22 and mm-hmm. then kind of found success and then started a family all while uh, Invincible is going on, also kind of like grew up along with him. And the book changes for that. It's kind of, um, 
a thing I wanted to talk about because sure. I needed to find an answer to this is okay. uh, Invincible's classic costume is blue and yellow with the center yellow stripe forming the letter I with his chest for Invincible. And it's weird because it's the Image Comics logo. It's the Image Comics logo. And I needed to know whether or not that was on purpose. And in the in an interview with Convoke Resources from, I believe, 2005 or no, uh I think to celebrate issue 50, uh, Kirkman says, how dare you? Uh, It's not anything close to the Image Eye. The Image Eye is owned by Image Comics Incorporated and is, in fact, the only intellectual property they own because, of course, the whole deal with Image is that they focused on creator-owned books and uh, had a fair share of the profits with the creators. Uh, It started as kind of a joke. Corey was actually staying with me when we put Invincible together and we'd do sketches back and forth trying to figure out what we would make the character look like. Um, Eric Larson was shown some sketches and chatting about stuff and he doesn't really he didn't really vibe with it. Yeah, this just looks like a generic dude. You don't want to do that. And so when we were trying to come up with something even remotely iconic, we uh, finally decided to call the character Invincible and we wanted to do a lowercase i instead of an uppercase i because an uppercase i is just a line and that's not a good design. And the dot of the eye kind of being his head worked for them. And besides, the image eye is wider at the top than it is at the bottom. So it's completely different. Please don't sue us. <laughs> Although I think at one point, Corey did start referring to him as Image Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you have anything else on the comic before we move on to the live action film and TV show? Um, I love that. I love that it's one of those topics for you. Like I read these back in the day, and I definitely enjoyed revisiting them. But I always love it when one of us has the kind of experience like you had, Jake, where you just legitimately were enjoying the piss out of reading the comic book, and uh, I, I couldn't rip yourself away from it to do more research. I love that. And uh, yeah, I think that if, if that's not convincing enough for you to go off and check it out, I don't know what is. They're all on Comixology. Or, I'm sorry. The If you have a Comixology membership, you can you can borrow, rent, whatever the first like three trades. So if you already have that membership, I mean, there's no reason not to check it out if you haven't already. Um but I think all the all the volumes, all the issues are on there uh, for purchase as well. So uh, yeah, um, it genuinely getting into the Invincible universe felt like uh, when you're getting into a manga or an anime for the first time, one that's been running for like thirty years straight, and you're like really confused about who characters are. You're like wiki diving constantly, reading about stuff, and you don't have the context for it yet. And by the end. 
knowing that like knowing the difference between the reanimen and omni-man and the omnipotus uh-huh. and all these characters and how they interact with each other and what their story was it's i just fell into it and it was kind of yeah. incredible and much like the art uh there's just a purity to it because there's no spin-offs there's no, you know, besides that Savage Dragon appearance, there really isn't much in the in terms of like, oh, then you have to jump over to, you know, Shadowhawk for this like four issues and then you'll we'll return. But you know what I mean? There's none of that. It's like all there and 144 issues complete. And it ends. God, I love it. Oh, so satisfying when they do that. What I really want to do <laughs> is uh, meet Robert Kirkman's dad. That's really because sure. the character of Omni-Man his shadow is felt so highly over the entire series. Like even when he's not on the page, like everything is defined in relation to Omni-Man, the uh, you know, how angry and violent he can be compared to how loving and caring he can be. Um, The idea of growing up as uh, basically in relation to what, how you feel about your dad and you know, the things about him that you want to preserve, the things about him that you want to move past. It really feels like Kirkman was going through a lot of things with his own father and how he, his relationship towards him. And so that's. Add onto that, the lair that is walking dead Mm. and all the dad shit going on in that comic book. (laughs) There's a lot of dad stuff going on in the, in in Kirkman's worlds for sure. Um, all right, let's move on to the live action film. Uh, by the time that final issue was coming out, Kirkman had been working with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg for several months on a live action film version. Kirkman said, thus far, it's just been Evan and Seth and I. We'll get on the phone and chat about different directions, and they've been very collaborative in that way, which has been very welcome. So I'm very excited about it. Seth Rogen said this about the plot twists. It really is one of the best parts of the comic, that there are reveals that actually function as giant reveals that you really don't see coming. That is something we definitely plan on at least trying to do in the movie. Now, this is where, again, I reinsert this concept of like, I almost wish I could be a fly in the wall for some of these phone calls because I feel like if I was Seth Rogen and I found out about the Amazon thing, and he even does a voice on the Amazon show. So I mean, it's not that like, would not have happened if it wasn't for the fact that he was hanging out with Robert Kirkman. Yeah, but, but at the same time, wouldn't you be fucking pissed? Because, like, yes, so much of the show hinges on those awesome plot twists, and you're working on a film that's supposed to have those in it, and then this show comes out. I feel like it just sort of... It's it's a very this is very weird to me I guess is all I'm saying. Hold in, hold in. This if live action film and the animated show is you hold know in. okay. At the same. Uh, use your mind's eye. I want you to focus. I want you to okay. astral project. Um, you are um, Seth Rogen. You are a rich Canadian Jewish man. Um, am I high as fuck right now? You have never not been high. <laughs> uh, the I'm making pottery. You want to make a big budget superhero movie that you've been trying to get produced for over a decade or yeah, over a decade at this point. And um, it hasn't had any progress. But now the major motion picture studio that you've been trying to work with this entire time, you can now point to the fact that it's already a popular franchise. Ah. Do you think that will help or hurt your chances of finally getting it And I can even make these mental connections, even though I'm so high right now that like, Pottery's talking to me. 
That's, I that's, mean, once every piece of pottery has talked to you every day of your adult life, you don't even notice it anymore. It's just like the sound of an air conditioner. Yeah, you they, just might fades well in the background. Be, they might as well be your agents. Well, I will say this is what Kirkman had to say about it. There will certainly be some significant differences between the movie and the television show. People will easily be able to tell them apart. We're definitely working to make sure that the two can exist and complement each other. And I'm just so curious to see what that looks like when this movie comes out. Because especially like, where's the show going to be when this movie comes out? You know, like, is the show going to be on season three, four? Who knows? Uh, Kirkman also said, working with Seth and Evan on the movie, I think that when the movie comes to be, you will see that there are vast differences. I think that there are many different ways you can adapt Invincible and the starting points are going to be very different. And so the kind of story that we're telling in the film version is much different than the kind of story that we're telling in the animated version. And you'll see the two coinciding and coexisting, but being very separate. So I wouldn't expect any kind of, you know, there might be some casting crossover. I think that would be a fun thing to do, which is crazy to me, by the way. I'm jumping off the quote uh, real quick to say that. Going back to the quote now, there are a few actors that I think would do really well as the live-action counterpart, but yeah, the two things are very different. I mean, we'll talk about the cast in just a second. The cast for the animated show is insane, so I totally get why he would want maybe some casting crossover, but again, that's a crazy choice to me. That like ties the two together in this weird way that I feel like they're also trying to keep them separate conceptually. I also don't understand, like I feel like we just broke down, this is me wrestling with my own mind right now, I feel like we just broke down what makes Invincible Invincible. I don't think, I think you need those like key factors to make it Invincible, and I think both film and show need to have them. So I again I just I wrestle with like how this movie is going to be this uniquely different thing than what the show's already being besides the fact obviously it's live action and not a TV show it's a movie but I don't know it just I I'm I'm very curious to see how they're going to pull this off. It's uh the time is right. We're no longer in the 2000s or the early we're no longer in the aughts or the 2010s. The, I feel like everybody gets it. The language of comic books, the language of superheroes is now the lingua franca of the world. And people are willing to jump on board. Hell, I mean, in a world where the Snyder Cut exists. Yeah, like, I guess that's true. Fucking comic book fans own this planet. <laughs> so let's move over to the animated series, which, by the way, phenomenal if you want to skip the comic and just jump right in the, uh, into the pool that way, go for it. It is awesome. And it looks so wonderfully like the comic book. And yet you can just really see those punches fully animated to uh, your uh, stomach's discontent. Kirkman said, this is the perfect climate for Invincible to exist because it's reliant on people knowing the ins and outs of the tropes of superhero storytelling so we can subvert them because nobody is aware of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Extended Universe uh, because everybody is aware. Yeah, mis misquote there. Uh, you can sit down and watch Invincible and be pleasantly surprised that it offers something different. And again, what's nice about it is they can actually play off of the television and film tropes with their television show. And some of those tropes are different from what you get in the comic book. And so, yes, I am very excited to continue to enjoy this as this subversive thing. The show was announced in 2018 that Amazon ordered an eight-episode-long first season. So we only have one more. At the time of this recording, we've got one more episode in the first season. Uh, and um, the cast is fucking crazy good. Uh, you've got Steven Yoon as our... Is it Yoon or Yoon? 
I always said UN, but uh, UN. I never had to say it out loud. And frankly, let's just right. call him Steve. Well, he's awesome in Walking Dead. He's awesome in Minari. Also, it's very, very cool. Kirkman definitely bringing over some Walking Dead people, which I think is neat. Uh, Minari, Supposedly. he's nominated for an Oscar. Great film. And he's doing a fantastic job as our uh, Mark. Minor anecdote that I read uh, while doing research was uh, Kirkman obviously knew him through Walking Dead, but it was... Uh, Steve's performance on the Voltron reboot that got his attention and mm. uh, that gelled with what um, Kirkman wanted for the character in the animated series. But then when it was time to read uh, the audition performance had like way more like youth and naivete than what Kirkman was intending. And Robert Kirkman was like, wait, you did like the Voltron voice like I asked, but he sounded like so much younger and inexperienced. Like, how did you do that? And uh, Steve just looked at him and just went, acting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's awesome, man. Uh, And then Sandra Oh plays Mark's mother, and his father, a.k.a. Omni-Man, is voiced by none other than J.K. Simmons, man. Perfect dad acting. Perfect perfect dad dad casting. And and there's some scenes between J.K. Simmons and Sandra Oh that are just, they're great dramatic moments like just amazing amazing voice acting you have mark hamill seth rogan jillian jacobs walton goggins zazzy beats jason manzoukas and many more in this cast it is, is like a so crazy he's, it's, cast. he's just doing the manzoukas voice yes. it's the same it's, voice it's, it's, he does in everything yeah. and i still love it it's i so expected him to start humping a talking pillow at any moment uh <laughs> Uh, in, in his appearance in the show. Kirkman said that, quote, no one auditioned and that their casting director, Linda Lamontagne, Lamontagne, uh, she, she would just come in and be like, we can get this person. Do you want to get this person? They're like, are you serious? You can really get Sandra Oh? You know what I mean? And they're just like, yeah, of course. We'll get her, we'll get her on the phone. Uh, it's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I think that it's like that kind of house of cards thing or that domino effect with casting. As soon as you get like those couple of big names on there to start, everyone else is like, oh, they're working on it? Oh, then it must be awesome. And then it just... It's known as the so Jillian Jacobs names. effect, Holden. Everybody yes. wants to work with Britta from Community. This is Absolutely. the ironclad law of Hollywood. Uh, Kirkman said, the other thing that this is... The other thing is that this is the only hour-long animated dramatic superhero series. And uh, Kirkman said this about why it is animated. In animation, Invincible can tell you a very emotional and dramatic story while also featuring a shape-shifting alien that sneaks onto a spaceship and escapes Mars. These are somewhat goofy stories that would look very goofy in live action, but in an animated form, the audience can take it seriously to some extent, and you can ride the fine line between having a very emotional, dramatic, and serious moments right up against two characters playing baseball back-to-back around the circumference of the Earth, that's something that only exists in the magic of animation, then how are you going to make a movie, a live-action movie? How are you going to do it? I don't get it. You're contradicting yourself, damn it. It really, it honestly, it will present challenges. Um, But who (laughs) knows? I mean, you get the right director. You get Edgar Wright in there, and he'll make it work. I also think you could easily film the part where they're playing baseball back-to-back. That doesn't seem like the hardest thing. Uh, to I think it's more actually the uh, superhero violence. I'm very interested to see you know that so kind of stuff. So the interesting happening. thing about the animated series that I kind of noticed was um, while the character designs are very consistent throughout, the animation quality kind of shifts from scene to scene. And the majority of the animation was done by Wind Sun Sky Entertainment, which is a mm. Vancouver-based uh, media company that uh, before this really just worked on like. Uh, apps they kind of just worked on games and other kind of art assets for uh 
mobile phone apps. Huh. Uh, and this is like their first major animation project. But so in during like dialogue scenes or kind of lower key scenes, the, the animation's a little bit stiff. You can tell they're just kind of like moving assets around. It's not like mind blowing. But on Winston Sky's website, they said that they partnered with studios in Korea and Japan, which means for the action stuff, we got Sakuga. We they fucking hired anime dudes to hell yeah do those fucking knuckle drag face explodey fights, and you can tell <laughs> because those scenes stand out a lot. That is awesome. Yeah, they are. Great, great stuff in there. Uh, also, it did not hurt that uh, Kirkman already managed to successfully adapt his other big comic series, The Walking Dead, into this like amazingly successful Well, TV you ask show. Frank Darabont how well it went, and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Kirkman said, the biggest lesson is adapting my own material and not trying to change it too much, which I do think this is a very interesting quote that uh, I, I do often think about when it comes to to doing this sort of thing. He said, when I started on The Walking Dead, I hadn't quite realized that my familiarity with the material led to my boredom with the material and made me want to change it just to excite me. That is something that I was completely pushing for in the writer's room. Let's kill this character now. Let's change the story completely. Let's have them go here instead of there because we went there in the comics and don't need to do that because people have seen that. The writers would tell me, we're trying to adapt the story and need to keep some things intact. I've definitely learned that there is a value to the source material Material, and then I needed to be more respectful of that. So I'm looking to try to add things to a story to accentuate what's already there instead of trying to change it. I think that is one of the best uh, quotes on adaptation that I've read in a while. Yeah, I think it is so true. And mm. you see it all the time. And I've always I've always been suspectful of this type of thing. And, and I'm glad someone finally admitted it, that sometimes people just change things because they're bored. <laughs> but the audience would not be. And uh, it actually makes me think about my viewing of the Walking Dead TV show and how especially, I don't know, like that um, later season um, definitely or that like that those early seasons definitely felt like just on purpose different but for no reason, mm. you know, in uh, a lot of ways. Uh, Kirkman wrote the first and last episodes of the season and uh, the the show will aim to do the same super to superhero television shows, the movies and movies like the comic did with superhero comics. Uh, another nice thing is that since the comic is done, they now have this roadmap for the series. So, you know, that's awesome. And I'm so glad the comic is done and that it has this very definitive ending. At least I for will now. not rest till I see Space Racer on the big screen. I fucking love <laughs> Space Racer, Holden. He's a valuable character. He's Space Racer. Uh, the showrunner is Simon Rachapa. He has more previous experience working on children's cartoons, but his character is now two decades old writing for animated, animated series. Um, and Kirkman said, I think that Invincible is a really great example of how to adapt a comic book series because we are hewing very close to what is set up in the comic book series, but almost every single scene is expanded in an interesting way. So if we had a very emotional scene for Mark and Debbie that lasted maybe a page in the comics and that scene is there, there's so much more to it. Looking back, there's definitely things from the Invincible comic book series that I would change and update. And now we're getting the opportunity to do that uh, in this series. I think it's all the best for it. Um, 
Ryan Otterly, I'm sorry, Ron, Ryan uh, Otley and Corey Walker were both brought in as supervising producers, with Corey Walker also serving as lead character designer. Kirkman said, that's one of the things that makes the show look so unique, that makes the uh, show look so cool, is that you have this guy that has this intimate knowledge of these characters, who has worked on them for years and years, bringing all of that knowledge and expertise to the show. So there's a level of authenticity to the show that is just not present in other adaptations. Because the chief visual designer that created the world and created the comics with me working on this show is with me working on this show day in and day out to make it what it is. I think it's really special. And I think that is very, very cool. Um, something very, very cool about uh, about the what they're doing here. It's 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 very tight. And it kind of reminds me of Saga, even though he did have that quote about saying like he was glad that multiple, you know, there were more than one artist working on the show. It still is such a tight, small ship of creators that I feel like that's why it has such a, a unifying direction, vision, look, all of that. And it's so cool to see that all three of them are working very closely on the actual animated show. Um, I have one more quote to close out, but I think I'm, I'm covered on my end, Jake. Anything else you want to say as we close this up? I've, I talked about how his logo is the logo of the comic company. Um, all the, talked about how uh, 200 million people now know this character's name while previously maybe 100,000 people did. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, talked about how Battle Pope is uh, just a lot of edgy <laughs> 2000s era. We're making fun of religion jokes. Um, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, I think that's it. I just all right. If you are if you slept on this comic book, if you love superheroes. Uh, you will not be disappointed by reading the book. It's Hell even yeah. with the uh, even and like I have, I've been watching the show and reading the book simultaneously, and it's just an incredible everything about guys in tights punching the shit out of each other, perfected. Hell yeah, um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Read the comic, watch the show. Who knows? Maybe the movie will. Be. I'm so curious now about this movie. This is very much an interesting, going to be an interesting insight into adaptation with this film. If this film actually does get made between that and the uh, animated show. But either way, it's all out there. Definitely check it out. I, I just cannot recommend it enough. One of my favorite comic runs, to be honest with you. Uh, here's what Kirkman said on about the future uh, for uh, Invincible. If it's a massive success, I would love to try and expand the world out and have a shared universe of superhero stories in animated form. That would be a lot of fun. But who knows what the future holds? I know that there's a lot of story to be told within the Invincible series itself, and we're focused mostly on just being able to tell that story right now. Well, hopefully, they get to tell the whole thing over there on Amazon. I hope that uh, this series, because they have a lot of story ground to cover, a lot of story to tell past season one, and so uh, I really hope they stick with it. And You heard uh, yeah. it here first folks monster girl spinoff show it's happening oh yeah i would totally watch it uh <laughs> that would be great all right thank you so much everybody for joining us uh this has been yet another episode of wizard and the bruiser i don't know why i said that I guess I'm just doing that now. Uh, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Uh, we do weekly bonus episodes for just $5 a month, $15 a month. Uh, you can hang out weekly with us on Sundays for our study session. It's always a blast. Uh, of course, this last time we watched episodes of Invincible. Very fun stuff. Check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash holdnatorsho. I stream on Monday, Tuesdays, and Fridays, usually in the evening or early or mid-afternoon if you are on the West Coast like I am now. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. 
twitch.tv forward slash holdnatorsho, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Jake! Uh, folks, you got to check out this patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Really, <laughs> you just don't even know what you're missing. I mean, yeah, sure, hundreds of bonus episodes to fill your days and help you while you're running errands and uh, doing your chores. But also for uh, the study session, it's a, it's a live stream face-to-face <laughs> with me and Holden as we dive into our research for the show and you help shape the future of the show along with us. It's an incredible time. It's a good hang. It's a great way to spend a Sunday evening or afternoon, depending on which part of the world you're in. Uh, everybody has a good time. It's a quality hang. And uh, Jake, oh, also, I, I love doing this show with you, but I just want to let you know you would be highly successful as a used car salesman. What is it going to take to get you into this <laughs> shiny new Patreon? Uh, it helps us live. It genuinely supports the it show does. and Thank keeps you us chugging so much along. To, to all our Patreon Patreon supporters already out there. Thank you so much. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young, where you can read all my thoughts and plops. And I constantly drop all these weird little research nuggets that I come across during the week before we record. Uh, so if you want to know what's in the pipeline for future Whizbrew episodes, uh, just check me out on there. Twitter at Best Jake Young. All right. And always remember, never stop bruising and keep on whizzing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another month of Patreon shoutouts. What's happening? What do we got? Uh, this first one comes in uh, from uh, Chef Mike. Uh, Chef Mike at Turntable Barbecue. I just wanted to throw this out there because he had me up to say he's going to be just 12 minutes down the road from Red Rocks when the boys do their last podcast show there. Stop by and say hi uh, and eat some of his delicious barbecue. Uh, again, that's Turntable Barbecue. If you see the food cart and you're out there at the show, you should definitely pop in and just say what's up. Say you're a fan. You guys have a lot to talk about. Enjoy the barbecue. Uh, this one goes out to Daniel, who asks, would you be able to give my fiance Sammy Rogers, a shout-out and tell her I'm excited that we are expecting our second daughter, Sammy? Shout-outs to you. And I am excited that you're excited. I'm excited uh, for my first daughter. So we'll see what happens there. That'd be awesome of you guys, uh, says Daniel. Keep up the great work. I tell everybody about your podcast. It's what I listen to all day at work. That's so fucking awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. And uh, Sammy, congratulations. Congrats. Here's a shout out from Kyle who says, Hey, Ben, did you create a monster? He'll know what it means. I never listened to podcasts before, but my cousin suggested you guys and I'm hooked. I also have to ask and why I paid the good money for the privilege. Uh, laughing face emoji. When slash if there is an attack on Titan episode. Hopefully, I would absolutely love to hear more in depth about what you guys think about it. I would also love to hear you guys talk about heavy metal or the wall or both. I appreciate the effort you guys put forth. Keep up the great work. I would uh, love to do an attack on Titan episode. Who knows? Maybe it's a coming down the pipe. Uh, we have to do our production schedule in just a little bit. So uh, maybe we'll add it on. I'm. It's definitely going to be an episode someday, if not uh, sooner than later. Uh, and uh, heavy metal on the wall. I've been meaning to do heavy metal for so long. Uh, I think it'd be a great one, obviously. And The Wall would be a really good music one. So who knows? Maybe you'll see him sometime soon. And one more shout out for Charles. I just want to plug his awesome Twitch channel one more time. Alchemical Nonsense. Check him out at twitch.tv forward slash alchemical in S. Alchemical Nonsense on Twitch. Thank you so much, y'all. Have a good one. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.